0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash loss.
1: Ah, the 90s. What a decade. And we started it all off with a bang when Packy Bonner saved that penno during Italian 90 and the nation wept.
0: This kick... Can decide it all The nation holds its breath. Yes for that
1: Oh Packy was such a ride, wasn't he? If you grew up in the nineties, you're gonna love this podcast. Now I've been out with the helix geometry set and God bless Pythagoras and his obsession with the L triangles because I've done a few quadratic equations from the Busy at Maths book, I squared the X, carried the Y and multiplied it all by 3.14 and I've invented a time machine so we can go back to the 90s. So the Cringe Binge podcast, what's it all about? Well, each week, myself and my guests, who will basically be a shed load of well-known Irish personalities who grew up in the 90s, will be going back in time and going through our cringy teenage diaries, scrapbooks, homework notebooks and all that jazz and talk about snogging and first periods and teen discos and how we coped through those tough, spotty years. Now, for all of you who've read my autobiography called Flabyrinth...
0: Flabyrinth is the best-selling autobiography from Jules Call. Available now from Amazon and easons.com.
1: If you've read it, then you'll be familiar with how I must have known when I was younger that I was going to be a writer in the future. Because by Jesus, was I dramatic while I was growing up. But thankfully, I documented it all. And I shared lots of excerpts Excerpts. How do you pronounce that word? Bits. I've shared lots of bits of my teenage diaries in Flabyrinth and readers loved them. Hence the idea for this podcast. So here's an example of just one line from my cringy teenage diary. Oh, I missed him so much at the weekend. So I wrote him a 34 page letter and bought him a bottle of Brute Aftershave. Oh, young love. What was I like? I wanted the shift so badly, I even used to sprinkle holy water on my clothes before going to the disco in the hope that Jesus would help me get a snog. So after Flabyrinth was published, I found another of my teen diaries in a wardrobe I didn't even know I had. Well, now, I knew I had the wardrobe. It was going to be hard to miss. It was just I didn't know this diary was in it and it is full of absolute cringy gold that's never been published. So I'm really looking forward to reading that in the podcast series, too. Now, in this first episode that you're listening to now, it's a bit different to the rest of the podcast. This one is just to get you in the mood for what's to come on the Cringe Binge podcast. So how about we slip into something a little bit more comfortable, like a nice pastel coloured shell suit. So as this is an introductory episode, I've made a little list of memories to get you thinking about how great life was back in the day. So as we review the 90s, grab yourself a cuppa and you can pretend that it's an old bottle of woodies. Sit back and relax and let's travel back to the good old days as we reminisce about the decade that Marathon became Snickers and when starbursts used to be called opal fruits. Off you go. Go to VT. Roll it there, Roshi! Roll it there, Ray. Now, when we think of the 90s, it feels like only yesterday, doesn't it? But it was 30 years ago. But in my head, 30 years ago was the 70s. Oh, sure, Jesus, where does the time go, Nula? Oh, sure, I know, I don't know at all, at all. I remember yesterday like it was only yesterday. Lights, models, guest list. Just do your best, darling. Right, let's start with what we looked like. Because, my God, their clothes back in the 90s were massive. And I mean that in the literal sense. You could go to a camping shop, buy yourself a tent, throw it around yourself and people would just think, oh, it's that new raincoat, Mary. Oh, it's only beautiful on you. Over the whole decade, we went through a lot of fashion phases. There was the neon years where we wore cycling shorts, global hyper-colored T-shirts. Remember those and they change color with your body heat and you put your hand on it and it would go from like yellow to red or pink then you'd throw on your bum bag, your slouch socks and your boot runners, which would have a massive tongue sticking out at the front. And we all wanted the LA gear runners, Air Jordans or Reebok pumps. But most of us had to make do with the knockoff versions. Remember those? They were called stylists and they were from Dunn stores. And that was back when all their clothes had St. Bernard written on the label. Remember that? Well, now let it be said that those green plastic bags with the St. Bernard Oval logo on them were the best plastic bags that were ever made. Marvellous handles on them. And sure don't I have a shitload of them under the sink, Noola Oh, I tell you, quality doesn't go out of fashion, does not it, right? Oh, that's right, Sheila. St Paul said that in one of his letters to the Corinthians, so he did. Never a truer word spoken. So, with your shades on, because everyone was neon from head to toe, you'd lash your hair up in a massive scrunchie and slide on your velvet padded hairband, look in the mirror, and think that you could easily get cast in the next series of The Fresh Prince of Bel Air.
0: Like now,
1: thankfully, there's no photographic evidence of me in one of these. But remember those meatloaf style frilly shirts with big ruffles at the collar and sleeves? And they'd always be teamed with a lovely paisley waistcoat. Imagine we wore those. Scarlet for your man for having you. We also wore Bermuda shorts, tonserton sweatshirts, jackets that said exactly what they looked like. Naff, naff. Jumpers from Paco and Benetton, bomber jackets and Dr. Martin boots, duffer tops and big floppy hats turned up with flowers on the front. And remember when the billboard ads for the Wonderbra caused car crashes because of Eva Herzegová's cleavage? And you always knew someone was wearing a Wonderbra by the distinctive X at the back of the bra strap. We also wore friendship bracelets made from neon woven rope. And I wonder who decided that wearing a giant soother around your neck was cool because a lot of us wore one. And remember the Adidas rip away tracksuit bottoms with the buttons down the side and you could open the bottom three buttons and turn your trackies into flares. Ha <laughs> ha, deadly balls. In the 90s, double denim was completely the norm. So much so that we had shops that sold nothing else and stocked brands like Pepe, Lee Cooper, Wrangler, Levi's and Diesel. And you wore X-Works or Eclipse jeans if you were really hardcore. We were mad for the Fruit of the Loom sweatshirts, O'Neill's tracksuit bottoms with the zips open, camel-coloured buffalo boots that were so heavy it was like walking around with concrete blocks strapped to our feet. Same goes for the chunky black platforms that your mother said, no, only scrubbers wear those sorts of shoes. So we wore them twice as much. And remember that shop Corky's on Grafton Street and the staff would go upstairs to get your shoes and come back down on a slide to deliver them to you. A place was the ultimate in 90s coolness. We loved palladiums and pedal pushers, 7-Up Fido Dido t-shirts, rollerblades, boob tubes, caterpillar boots, bindies on our foreheads, t-shirts under string tops and over the knee socks. And if you were loaded, you wore brands like Morgan, Kukai and Red or Dead. Wearing a skirt over your trousers was a thing, as well as rave gear and those mad luminous fluffy boots up to your knees. And that was all in an era when a yellow smiley face automatically meant drugs.
0: Has anyone here got any virus? Lovely.
1: Sorry, have you got the time, please? Oh, hang on. I'll just check my Pops watch. Um, it's a quarter past cool. Or were you ultra cool and wore a baby G-Shock watch? You legend. What a time to be alive for fashion. Our parents weren't much better. Our mums dreamt of being the Keller Guess housewife of the year. Yet they lived in giant crochet jumpers, ski pants with the stirrups around the feet and wore glasses that made them look like a very wise owl. And our dads, well, they just went to Tyrek and they all looked exactly like Alan Partridge. Aha! The body shop was mecca. Dewberry perfume, fuzzy peach, white musk. But you always wondered, who bought the perfume with the pink label on the bottle? The one with the name that nobody could pronounce. and nana or a nanya or something weird like that. Kiwi Lip Balm was an essential in your little mini backpack and we all had a friend or relative who collected the little bath bubbles and either ate one or had been temporarily blinded when one burst and squirted in their eye The body shop also gave us clear mascara and soaps in the shapes of different fruits
0: Stop torturing
1: yourself man You'll never afford it Live in the now
0: It will be mine Oh, yes, it will be mine.
1: And when you went on a shopping spree back then, you paid in punts with the lovely, colouredy old pound notes, or else you put it on your credit card. Literally. Remember the clunky machine that would slide across the card with the carbon paper on top, and then it was filled out manually with a pen and signed, and if it was a big purchase, they had to phone the bank to verify that you could afford it.
0: Yes, my good man. I'd like to have a look at this Fender Stratocaster, please. Oh, really? Yes. Again? Yes.
1: Excuse me. Wait. Can I put the Fender back now, please?
0: Not today, my good man. I'm feeling saucy. I think I'm going to buy it. Do you accept
1: cash we hadn't a rashers how to do our makeup back in the 90s all we had were max factor pan sticks elizabeth arden flawless finish foundation always in the shade toasty beige or constance carroll makeup from the paint shop The lipstick go-to was Rimmel's Heather Shimmer. And if you were really daring, you went for coffee shimmer with a brown lip liner. And when you put it on and looked in the mirror, you thought you looked exactly like TLC. We all read somewhere that Clinique sold a bottle of dramatically different moisturising lotion every 30 seconds. So we just had to have some. And if you bought two products, you got the gift bag with it for free. So you'd splurge on a bottle of Clinique toner or clarifying lotion, as they used to call it. Now, it was so strong, it could take gloss paint off a garden gate. But you didn't care, because now you had the new Clinique wash bag. Then you'd get home, open it up and see that all the freebies were so feckin' small, they should have been in a doll's house. Hey, then,
0: shoulders. What, you know, you had dandruff? Oh, don't. Head
1: shoulders I didn't know you had dandruff
0: I don't So don't have dandruff Have great looking hair
1: Hair care was bonkers back in the 90s The GHD of course hadn't been invented So if you had curls or frizz You either had to iron your hair on the ironing board Or just go with the fro To save time we washed our hair with Vidal Sassoon Wash & Go Because it had shampoo and conditioner in one Spend time on shampoo and conditioner. Take two bottles into the shower. Not me. I just want to wash my hair and go. As soon as the sun came out, we lashed in the sun in to bleach it. And if your mum wouldn't let you use sun in, you'd just squeeze lemon juice all over your head. Everyone had a brother or a cousin who had frosted tips and looked like he poured a packet of chipsticks on top of his head. We all wanted a full head of braids so we'd look just like Cleopatra. Cleopatra Banana clips and butterfly clips were huge. And that pure hairstyle where you'd cover your head in loads of tiny little buns. The only way to curl your hair in the 90s was with those foam twisty things. Or else plait your whole head when your hair was wet and sleep in it. And your mother would say, Wet hair in bed? Jesus, sure, you'll catch your death. Will you not at least run the hair dryer over your scalp before you get pneumonia? Honest to God, you may as well start the antibiotics them right now. We all tried the Rachel from Friends haircut, and the boys all rocked a step and curtains fringe, thinking it made them look exactly like Leonardo DiCaprio in Titanic. It didn't. We put Clearasil lotion on our spots and Stop and Grow on our nails to stop us biting them. We were as fit as fiddles because we ran everywhere. And our calves were like rocks from our days playing elastics in primary school. And probably from all the Irish dancing, too. And let's be honest, to this day, we all still get a bit choked up when we hear the opening few notes from Redford Dance. God, I'm love Ireland. (laughs) We cycled everywhere. And you always knew where your mates were by the big pile of bikes on someone's driveway. We were gone out all day long and nobody ever wondered where we were. We got our kicks from doing knick-knacks on the neighbours. But our main form of exercise was wrestling with our brothers and sisters because the scraps over who was doing the washing and drying after dinner could get brutal. God bless the dishwasher when it came along. The best days of summer were when you stuck loads of black bags together, got out the hose and a bottle of fairy liquid and made a slippy slide in the back garden. And you'd be skiting up and down it for hours, and the washing up liquid would have your skin looking like an alligator by the end of the day, but you didn't care. We spent our pocket money on magazines like Smash Hits, Miz, Just Seventeen, Sugar... TV hits, because it had deadly stickers. And we got more magazine, because it had a page with position of the fortnight. And this was the best sex education we could get. Sanitary towels were as thick as mattresses, and you felt like you were walking around with a canoe between your legs when you had your period. Remember when the nurse used to come into school to check our backs for scoliosis? But most of us just had a hunchback from carrying around our heavy Jansport school bags. We covered our school books in wallpaper or the sticky clear plastic stuff if your mother had the patience for it. We had troll dolls on the top of our pencils, a diary with a lock and key and a fun facts to keep ourselves organised. We read Judy Bloom books because she wrote about periods. Are you there, God? It's me, Jules. And we all dreamed of having an identical twin like Elizabeth and Jessica Wakefield in the Sweet Valley High books so we could swap places with them and get up to all sorts of mischief. We loved reading books, but tell me who started the craze of reading Flowers in the Attic, the haunting book that made us all look at our brothers and shudder. (laughs) If you're
0: going to spew, spew into this.
1: You knew all your friends' and relatives' phone numbers off by heart. But if you needed to find out someone's phone number, you looked it up in the phone book. Or if it was a business, it was the golden pages. When the phone rang at home, you'd answer it and say, Hello, 837-6313. Like the person calling you hadn't just dialed that number. If the call was for you, there was always a crackle on the line because your little bratty brother or sister had picked up the other line to earwig your conversation but usually they'd just be hearing us say
0: yo in
1: 1994 BBC's Tomorrow's World program told us all about
0: the information superhighway
1: that was on its way they told us that we'd all have a box in our houses that you'd type a letter into press a button and then that letter would be whisked away across the world wide web to its recipient on the other side of the planet in a matter of seconds. We couldn't get our heads around it at all. Imagine a world where every word ever written, every picture ever painted and every film ever shot could be viewed instantly in your home by an information superhighway. What that would mean is you could transform your home into a mammoth interactive entertainment centre, with the odd stock exchange and shopping centre thrown in. It sounds pretty grand, but it all comes down to computers communicating. And in fact, that's already happening on something called the internet that anyone in the world with a computer and a modem to connect it to a telephone line can subscribe to. Computers didn't interest us until we realized you could play games on them. The Amiga and the Commodore 64 came with three and a half inch floppy disks. They took so long to load you'd have to go outside to play a game of football while you waited for it to load and then you'd come back inside to play a game of virtual football. The birth of the internet brought that sound of the modem dial-up connection. It took forever, but we had so much patience back then. Our cameras took a roll of film with 24 shots, or you bought the roll of 36 if it was a special occasion like going to a wedding. And we waited a week to get them developed. And when one hour processing came in, it was revolutionary. Only 60 minutes to get your photos developed. And when you collected them, the packet of pictures would be warm straight out of the machine. It was a time of fax machines and pagers, but I think we only saw those being used by doctors on call in TV
0: shows.
1: (laughs) Phone calls were tough though. You'd be killed for being online because nobody could get through on the landline. Oh, but mum, I'm doing my school project. I need to use the Encarta 95 encyclopedia to look things up. But in reality, we were all logging into MSN chat and typing in ASL question mark for age sex location so we could chat away to a room of virtual strangers from around the world. Things accelerated quickly in the online world, and before we knew it, we were on Napster and BearShare, pirate downloading all our music and multiple viruses at the same time. And we were absolutely sure the world was going to blow up on Millennium Night because computers around the world wouldn't be able to cope with the digits changing from 1999 to 2000. We lived for midterm breaks and summer holidays and discos. Oh, the discos. The desperation to get a snog was immense. And we all remember that feeling when the raised arms on the sweaty dance floor suddenly dropped as soon as the slow set came on. And boys to men would start crooning and we'd all clear the dance floor and try to casually look available for the shift. And then it would happen. The tap on the shoulder... And you'd turn around and some fella would say "Here, will you shift me mate? Him over there? And he'd point over to his spotty mate in a kappa top, high tech runners, lee jeans and a fringe that looked exactly like the McDonald's logo and you'd say, yeah okay, because you like the look of him and you'd walk over to embrace the bang of Lynx mirage and then shift the face off him and then halfway through come up for air and ask him his name. And when you went from the underage discos to the over 18s you trembled in the queue, reciting off your pretend date of birth and hoping your fake ID that your friend's cousin made you on his laminator and cost you £10 would work. 9th of August, 1976. 9th of August, 1976. Got your ID there, love? What's your date of birth? Me? Uh, 9th, 9th of August, 1979, 1976. 1976. Please let me in. Maybe if we'd all pencilled in our eyebrows back then, we would have looked a bit more sophisticated and older. Hmm, there's a thought. All around Ireland, for every field of cows, there was a field of teens. All swigging on cans, and everyone falling around the place laughing. We all gave MacGyver a run for his money with our snaky ways of getting the naggings of vodka into the discos. And we were swinging from the rafters with all the drinks like Smirnoff Ice, Bacardi Breezers, Hudson Blue, Woodies, bottles of Ritz and shots of peach schnapps. Cigarettes came in boxes of ten and there wasn't a drop of booze in the drinks press at home because we had replaced all the vodka and gin with water. But the absolute worst thing about discos was the end of the night when the lights suddenly came on full blast. And as you stood there, with the national anthem playing in the background, fully exposed in the floodlights, you realised that you'd sweated off all your panstick and the fella you'd snogged was now wearing your Rimmel Heather Shimmer lipstick all over his face. And everyone's red spotty faces were exposed. And we looked like a herd of corned beef in sports gear. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. We all had a crush on the Cadbury's Caramel Bunny because she was a robo-babe.
0: Swing! Swing! See how the thick Cadbury's Milk Chocolate melts into smooth golden caramel. Take it easy with Cadbury's Caramel and New Nuts About Caramel.
1: You got your pocket money on a Sunday and kept it in a plastic tube around your neck that you bought on holidays at the gift shop at Mosney or Tribalgan. The array of sweets available in the 90s was epic. One pound was enough to buy a veritable feast of e-numbers. All the good stuff was kept behind the glass under the counter, so you'd squat down in your hunkers and have a good think before deciding what you were going to spend your pound on. There were blackjacks, fruit salads, applejacks, postman pats, Taz bars, wham bars that had ripped the train tracks off you, stinger bars, packets of popping candy, busy cola lollies, Caffrey's big-time bars and macaroons, dip dabs, desperate Dan bars, cola Frosties, Roy the Rovers bars, packets of toffos, flumps and flogs, candy cigarettes, big marshmallow dolphins, push pops, white mice, and giant cola bottles. And legend had it that you could bite the top off a cola bottle and Coke would pour out of some of them. And if you couldn't make up your mind, you'd just buy a load of penny sweets and then walk outside of the shop and do a gushy. Remember that? You'd throw a load of penny sweets up into the air and shout, GUSHY! And all your mates would dive onto the ground to savage them like a game of human hungry, hungry hippo. The holy grail of chocolate bars was the Cadbury's top deck, which had a layer of milk chocolate with a white chocolate layer on top. It only came in the giant size bar so it was 64p and reserved purely for special occasions, like spending your confirmation money. We drank little bottles of Cadet and Lilt came in super cans and then along came Sunny Delight until it was taken off the shelves because of that one kid in the UK and she drank so much of it her skin turned orange from head to toe. We watched a lot of British teleads and wondered what their drinks tasted like. Things like Iron Brew, Tango, and Umbongo.
0: Umbongo! Umbongo, the drinker, the bite, and pick the passion through the mammoth, set the mandarin, the parrot, painted, and has got the of good to land It is So when it comes to sun and fun goodness in the jungle, they
1: all prefer the sunny,
0: funny one they call Umbongo.
1: We just had to make do with Kiora in the Soda Stream. The only coffee we knew was Nescafé in Maxwell House, and it was only drunk by adults. And we all remember where we were the day the tea bags became round, and then things went nuclear when the pyramid tea bags came along. All that extra brewing room, honest to God, how did we never think of it before? Morris Pratt from Quinsworth made your mother weak at the knees, and not just for his weekly price reductions I tell you.
0: At Quinsworth this Christmas, the prices are magic. Jacob's USA Assortment, £6.29. Afternoon Tea, £7.75. Jacob's Chocolate Mallows, £2.09. And Yellow Pack £3.00 Assorted Irish Sweets, £3.49. There's a huge selection for Christmas, and all at magic prices.
1: We snacked on pepperami and only got dessert on a Sunday, which was either tinned fruit cocktail, angel delight, viennetta, or if you'd won the lotto, romantica. Every house had a copy of Darina Allen's Simply Delicious cookbook. Our parents drank Le Piedor wine. And you loved Easter because your granny gave you a Smarties Easter egg that came in a mug. McDonald's had the Mac rib on the menu and we watched ads on TV for chocolate bars like Aero, Flake and Galaxy, all of which had a woman in a bath, eating a bar, and looking like it was giving her a passive orgasm. Cadbury's Flake, the crumbliest, flakiest milk chocolate in the world. Telly in the 90s was deadly. There were just two channels on Irish TV, RTÉ one
0: Now stand by because here comes the team with cartoon fun, excitement and prizes for here's Thursday's Jump Around.
1: And Network 2. We watched Live at 3 with Derek Davis and Thelma Mansfield. Going for Gold, Know Your Sport, Joe Maxi. Finally a programme for us teens. Ronan Collins hosted Play the Game, which was basically Twink and Brendan Grace playing charades. We watched Where in the World. Jerry Ryan hosted The School Around the Corner. Gabe was on The Late Late.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, to whom it concerns, it's The Late Late Show. And here is your host, Gabe Byrne.
1: And Jerry Daly did all the gardening programmes. We were freaked out by the morbegs and we still watched Bosco, even though it was for babies, just because we wanted to see what was behind the magic door. Please let it be the zoo, please let it be the zoo, please let it be the zoo.
0: We have to say the magic rhyme first. Knock, knock, open wide, see what's on the other side. Knock, knock, any more, come with me through the magic door.
1: Ray Darcy was a ride on Blackboard Jungle. And we'll always remember the day where Mary Robinson popped up on the den with Zig and Zag, Dustin, Socky, and Zuppy. We lived for home and away and neighbors and couldn't get over how short their school uniform skirts were. And of course, the theme tune to Glen Row on a Sunday meant, Oh shite not school again tomorrow! Oh, oh,
0: oh that is so unfair, I hate you! I will go to bed, okay? Happy? Good night, Kevin. Don't bloody shout at me! If
1: you were really lucky, you got the UK telly channels too. This opened up a whole new world of entertainment. Saturday mornings meant watching people getting slimed. And Saturday nights brought us gladiators. Your brother was betting to jet while you fancied Trojan. Nobody was shocked when it was revealed that Shadow was on steroids and we all love to hate Wolf. Are
0: you a gladiator? You will go on my first whistle. Bill, you will go on my second whistle. Three, two, one.
1: And, oh, what we would have given to have a go of the Eliminator and run up that backwards escalator thing and grab the rope and swing through the big paper sheet. Michael Barrymore leapt up and down the steps on Strike It Lucky and you were convinced that you had psychic powers as you always knew when it was going to be a hot spot.
0: Because a hotspot is not a good spot. What is a hotspot not? Not <laughs> OK, Philippa, strike the screen. Colour TV, nice prize. You want to bank it or is this not on it
1: Another one for shouting at the telly was the crystal maze. Oh, if only we'd gotten a chance to go on it. We wouldn't get locked into the rooms. We'd show them how it's done and get a record number of crystals and catch all those silver Kit Kat wrappers in the crystal dome. We also spent a lot of time in extravision looking at the shelves and deciding what video to rent. And also, whose account to put it on? Because we all had late fines running into the millions of pounds during the 90s. And we praised the day when they introduced the box so you could just drop in your returns without having to endure the fear of them opening up the case and noticing that the tape wasn't rewound. I worked in a video shop myself in the late 90s and only then discovered that they in fact had a special machine behind the counter that rewound the tapes in a matter of seconds. Who knew? (laughs) Dirty Dancing was probably the most rented video of our time. I carry the watermelon. And of course the epitome of 90s catchphrases was Wayne's World. We're not worthy!
0: We're not worthy!
1: Close your eyes there now. Well, not if you're driving. Can you remember what your bedroom looked like back in the 90s? Did you have one of those bang on the wall, groovy chick duvet covers? And which posters? Was it the smoking alien that said, Take me to your dealer? Or one of Piro, that clown with the sad black and white face? Or did you have one of those multicoloured 3D illusion posters and you were supposed to stare at it for ages and then shapes would start appearing? But it was just a load of squiggly lines and we all stared at it for so long we started hallucinating. They were a load of bollocks, weren't they? What an absolute ripoff! off Care
0: Bears Countdown 4, 3, 2, 1 Who's that coming from somewhere up in the sky?
1: Remember top trumps? And stretch Armstrong, And if you pulled his arms too much, weird stuff would start leaking out of his oxters. And the only thing that got you through boring mass on a Sunday was watching your brother play with his tech decks. Remember those tiny little skateboards for your fingers? We always had to keep 20p in our pencil case in case we had to ring home on the payphone. If you forgot it, then you just do a reverse charges call or use your Telecom Aaron call card. We were always on time to meet someone as there was no way to contact them and tell them that you were going to be late. We called in to see neighbours and relatives regularly, just knock into somebody and say hello because... Ah sure, you know, we were just out for a drive, not going anywhere in particular, just as far as turn back and we were just passing and thought we'd drop in and say hello, have you got the kettle on or what? In the late 90s, Aircell and eSat Digiphone gave us mobile phones. And there was one Christmas where every teenager in the country got a speakeasy and Nokia 5110 with interchangeable coloured covers. We played snake until our thumbs were blistered. Mobile numbers started with 088 and texting was the coolest thing we'd ever come across. Because up until now, it had just been letters and the postman. But the tunes, oh the 90s tunes. Oh, you know what? They were worth getting sweaty for. We all had a stereo, and the bigger your speakers, the cooler you wear. We listened to Dusty Rhodes on Longwave Radio Atlantic 252, which was actually broadcasting from Mead, but it was so cool, we thought it was coming from America. Everyone listened to Tony Fenton's 2FM hotline. The radio was life. Remember they used to send the Lion's Tea Eye in the Sky helicopter up every day and Bob Conway would be in it reporting to tell us what all the traffic was like around the city.
0: OK, well let's go over to Bob Conway and the 2FM Lion's Tea Eye in the Sky. 2 Lion's Tea Eye in the Sky and towards the centre of the city it is absolutely chock-a-block from one end to
1: <laughs> Now, when you fancied somebody in the 90s the ultimate token of affection was to make them a mixtape. So you'd sit by the radio for hours on end, waiting for the right songs to come on and hoping that the DJ would shut up and not talk over the intro so that you could accurately press the play and record button at the same time with the precision of a ninja. And you'd nearly dislocate your thumb trying to get it right. CDs and discs, well, they blew our minds when they came along. The boy bands and girl bands were massive in the 90s. We all had a favourite member of Take That, and you were a true fan of Take That if you fancied Gary Barlow too. Well, because he was the run to the litter at the time, God help him. We went bananas for Boyzone and thought Stephen Gately had the voice of an angel. And we loved Buffalo G and Bewitched because they were Shane's sisters, so we wanted to support them too. Hey, say it's Then e Seventeen came along with their Skanger Chic and we went spare for them. The Spice Girls brought us girl power and we knew all the words to all the step songs. The dance moves were deadly back in the 90s. The Macarena, the Cha Cha Slide, Down on the Floor doing Rock the Boat, The Running Man, The Sprinkler, Big Box Little Box, Voguing. here what's that move you're doing? I've Put in the grass. Made it up himself. Ah, Debbie, love it. And everyone on the dance floor pointed to you if your name happened to be in the lyrics for Mambo number five. Everyone bought a Kangol floppy hat when Oasis came along. Dustin was releasing songs with Bob Geldof, and we had never heard a bass beat like it when Flat Eric, the little yellow puppet, was on the ad for Levi's. And the prodigy released our inner raver like never before. And we loved the songs that were a bit dirty.
0: I've noticed you around. I find you very attractive. Would you go to bed with me?
1: Honesty was defined by Charles and Eddie. Oh. And Nirvana gave birth to grunge. Our mood rings turned black as we listened to Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill album, which helped us channel all our resentment over the fact that we never got that Mr Frosty slushy maker for Christmas that time. And we went through all of this while undergoing the catastrophic, constant stress of trying to keep our Tamagotchis alive. This is just a tip of the 90s iceberg. Please share this link with your friends and subscribe now to the Cringe Binge, My 90s Teenage Diary podcast and join me, Jules Call, every week as myself and my guests reveal the secrets of our teenage diaries and reminisce about what it was like to grow up in Ireland in the epic decade that was the 90s. For further information about this podcast, visit CringeBingePodcast.com. And remember to click on the subscribe button now to be notified about the episodes as they happen.